We have to be kinder to ourselves. We have to be kinder to other people. We have to forgive ourselves for not being perfect when that doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. In sharing this, actually help more people, bring more people together instead of pushing people apart through judgment. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Honest to Dog Podcast. It's me, Liz Foley, your favorite dog trainer. And your favorite co-host, Jeff Gadway. Today, we're going to be talking about the intersection of mental health and dog training. So just want to be really upfront. We're going to be talking about some difficult topics. We're going to be talking about things like anxiety and depression and panic attacks. We might even venture into topics like suicide. And so we just want you to be forewarned that there might be some heavy topics. Uh, there might be some triggers uh, for some of you who are listening out there. So um, please practice kindness and self-care in listening to this episode. And um, if you need to pause and come back to it or skip it, we'll see you next week. I love that. Looking out for our pack. We got to. Mental health is, is a sticky thing. And yet it's something that we need to talk about we more. Do. And we, we need to talk about it as it relates to dog training too, because I think sometimes they go hand in hand, mm -hmm. both in terms of why we get dogs sometimes mm -hmm. and how we can be the best, most balanced leaders for our dogs. Mm -hmm. So much of it comes back to mental health. And so much of our dog's energy and behavior can be things that they pick up from us. And I'm not saying that if you're anxious, you're going to have an anxious dog. No, 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 no. But our dogs, much like children are, I think, too, oftentimes reflect back to us areas where we need to grow and push us into a little bit of discomfort sometimes in recognizing, oh, wow, this is something I have to work on with myself. Um, and that's a, a gift in many ways, but at the start, it can seem very daunting. I think another important reason why we're talking about this topic on Honest the Dog podcast is that there are a lot of similarities between mental health and dog training. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of judgment involved with both. Wow, There's yeah. sometimes a lot of shame. There's a lot of misunderstanding. Um, there are very contradictory views on things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time we're brought up to not look at these things very closely. Mm -hmm. And we sort of just hold these views on dog training or mental health that have been sort of passed down to us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, part of getting really good at dog training or caring for your mental health is being open to learning, mm -hmm. exploring different topics and taking a really hard look in the mirror sometimes so that you can have more self-awareness and understanding. And compassion. And compassion for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So where the heck do we start? <laughs> well, I think it's important to also acknowledge that neither of us are trained professionals mm -hmm. in this area. And so everything we're going to talk about today really just comes from our own personal lived experiences with dog training, with mental health, and maybe our own journeys that we've been on to try to better understand our mental health and invest in caring for it. So if you have questions, please seek out a professional. Mm -hmm. um, this is really just us sharing with you so that you can kind of know the path that we've been on and maybe you see some similarities in your own journey. 
Mm-hmm. So I'd love to start with getting Carmen and why that was a big deal with me. Sure. Um, so I've struggled with depression for much of my life. Uh, I remember being 25 and being like, the whole world is just beginning, but having a little bit of overwhelm with that for myself. And I really wanted to get a dog to help me in caring better for myself. And so having a dog like Carmen, where she was missing a leg, but she woke up every morning wagging her tail and I knew she needed a walk, got me outside, got me moving my body, doing things that were good for my mental health, but also for the benefit of my dog. You know, like things like that are hard when dealing with depression, getting out of bed, brushing your teeth, washing and taking care of your hygiene, never mind stepping outside of your house. Like you want to be under the blankets, buried in a hole to cease existing. At least that's what a lot of the time my mind is telling myself. And so Carmen was just this happy-go-lucky, sweet spirit that was able to bring me some passion back to life. I know you you said at times, well, heck, if this three-legged street dog from Mexico can get up every day and 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 look at the world optimistically with, with hope mm-hmm. and joy, I can do it too. And I owe it to her to provide that to her. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so how did having Carmen long-term help you as a resource like she was a happy-go-lucky dog and so beyond being that motivation to to do those things what about when you were feeling low when you were feeling sad or depressed or anxious how did Carmen help you in those moments Carmen I was very lucky in that she was a happy-go-lucky dog and happy-go-lucky dogs tend to make fantastic therapy dogs and that she was for me so um with with dealing with some heavy feelings at times um just quality time with carmen her energy was very contagious she had a very joyful nature about her but she could also be very calm and quiet and so just sometimes lying with her um putting my hand on her rib cage and doing some deep breaths and or petting her was a way to kind of ground myself come back to reality and feel that things weren't so bad watching her get some pure joy out of the simplest things would help me to live in the moment and stop obsessing about the past or the future and staying in my mind, which can be very intense sometimes versus just watching Carmen take in the world and just do her little panty smile that she would do with her adorable forward ears and just look at the world in awe and wonder. And I was like, okay, life is good. It's so neat that you mention, you know, putting your hand on Carmen's rib cage and synchronizing your breath with her breath i know we we hear about it a lot i mean somebody like michael the um meditation coach Mm -hmm. uh, what's his last name michael burke michael burke he talks a lot about using your breath to ground you Mm -hmm. and we happen to have some of carmen's breathing Mm -hmm. saved right um like a audio recording on our phone and I know sometimes when I'm feeling anxious or, or um, and I'll talk about this, but like having a panic attack or you're feeling anxious, sometimes one of us will prompt the other to put that on mm-hmm. and we'll just try to use that as like a centering force, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of synchronize our breath with Carmen's, listen to her little snorry nose. <laughs> like and, deep breathing, sleep machine 6,000. Yeah. 
<laughs> and use that to help us kind of like come back into the present. Yeah. Yeah. I still think about her now as like my guardian angel and giving me little moments of hope and inspiration. Um, so yeah, it's it. our dogs can be so good for that in many ways. Now, you mentioned Carmen being really well suited to offering that kind of support and mm -hmm. therapy because she was a very balanced, happy-go-lucky. Mm -hmm. We don't have that currently with this pack. Well, talk a little bit more about that because dogs can be these beautiful gifts that are unconditionally loving, but there's also the risk of sometimes us emotionally dumping on our dogs. Mm -hmm. And I say us as like the big us, not just you and I, mm -hmm. but dog owners in general. So what's the risk that exists there with dogs that might not be balanced or happy-go-lucky like Carmen? Yeah, so the, our boys are all pretty sensitive. And so if we were snuggling up with them and crying or, you know, going through tough emotions and seeking their help for getting through it, Ty can't handle that. Blue most definitely can't handle that. Baker can sometimes a little bit in small doses, um, but it it can confuse them. It can lead to them absorbing that same energy. Um, it can they it can have them kind of look at us not as necessarily a strong leader. Um, they don't fully understand the context of big emotions, and so they can't go. Oh, this makes sense. She had a bad day they they can't put things like that into perspective. So they might just genuinely start to worry about their human, start to feel the need to protect their human, things like that. Yeah, and, and, and this isn't to vilify anybody who relies on their dog for support. I think it's just, you know, encouraging everybody to ask yourself like what is the role you're asking your dog to fill and is your dog of the temperament and energy to be able to do that comfortably or are we asking too much of our dogs is that fair do we need to find some other strategies other coping mechanisms or tools support resources so that we don't put that burden on our dogs mm -hmm. well i mean a perfect example of this is Carmen and getting taking Carmen out for adventures was so good for us both. My go-to like self-help thing was take the dogs on a walk, enjoy the outdoors, move your body, spend quality time with your dogs. And with Blue's reactivity, that was kind of robbed from me. Mm. And so it's been through working with Blue and having really intentional training time with him, but taking Baker and Ty on a walk and, and I can still enjoy that, right? That can be still good for my mental health. But it's almost like Blue and I will, I don't know how to say this. It's like a clash almost. Yeah. Or his anxiety. Triggers my anxiety and all of these things. Oh, yeah, he was definitely triggering my anxiety. And then I was getting really in my head and really self-critical. And then the defeat and depression would kick in. So, yeah, it was really challenging for me and I mean if I'm being really honest too I got we got blue at a very shaky time for me I was closing up the business I was unhappy I was really dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression at that time my mental health was 
kind of in the shitter and I had this sweet, snuggly dog and I was trying to show up with leadership, but I was frustrated and annoyed with myself that it was hard to be even keel for him. I feel like I failed him a lot in initially. Um, and so it took some accountability, self-awareness, some deep work to unpack some of that so I could heal myself in order to help Blue. But yeah, with with kind of what we've discovered around my mental health in general too lately is I felt really out of control of help, being able to help myself in that the depression had really deepened and it, cert- it, it appeared to be at certain times um, where it was worse than others that we were starting to find a pattern there. And I take medication and I was kind of frustrated that that didn't seem to be working Um, I knew that I needed to take better care of myself physically, so eating better and working out, but I was still struggling. Every couple weeks, I would be really lacking motivation, really overwhelmed, like to the point of freeze. So I was avoiding living my life in a lot of ways. And so I was seeking help and I got diagnosed with something I had never heard of in my entire life. I was diagnosed with PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And so I think it's important to highlight that because I didn't know what that was and that's unique to women. And I think other women should know in case they're experiencing what I was experiencing, which was really, really heavy suicidal thoughts the week before my period. And I was literally thinking I was losing my mind and going insane, that I was a hysterical woman but my hormones, I have since learned, it's my hormones can't, my brain can't take the fluctuation of hormones during that stage. And so I'm taking supplements now to help with that, still doing my workouts, eating right, and being able to go, okay, this makes sense, and I can predict this, and I can make sure to up my self-care around those weeks helps me not feel like a lunatic and that I have a plan and that I can actually better understand myself. I think that's all so important. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a topic that doesn't get talked about enough. I know, Mm -hmm. you know, until you really did your own research and could start to advocate for yourself around exploring whether PMDD might've been kind of the cause of this, Mm -hmm. you really didn't have a lot of answers. I mean, fortunately, we have a family doctor who was open to entertaining this, gave you a referral to- Specialist in Specialist. But then from there, like, and again, I have to commend you, Liz, because when you started talking to that specialist, they had you track Mm -hmm. your your thoughts, feelings, emotions, anxiety, menstrual Mm -hmm. cycle for like three months Mm -hmm. before they would actually sit down and have a thorough consultation and gave you that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so it took a lot of determination and resilience and commitment to uncover this. And then once you did come back to your doctor and and lay it all out and start on this path of, of really managing the PMDD. So congratulations to you. And then the other thing too is I'm so grateful that you shared 
this with me because now we're speaking the same language, just like with dog training, how we have the same vernacular and language. We're able to talk about our mental health in the same way, whether it's anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, PMDD, we're able to confront those things openly in a safe space and support each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and the other thing too, is I think just by keeping each other in the loop, we're able to kind of remind each other. So if, if you're kind of going into one of those cycles where the PMDD might be starting to, to creep up a little bit, sometimes it's hard for us to see it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'm able to remind you, like even just the other day, I was like, well, let's take stock of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> There's a full moon. Yep. It's about that time in your cycle where the PMDD might be starting to become more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And maybe we didn't eat so great the last couple of days. Like check, 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 check. Yeah. Right? Well, it's not, you're not going crazy. Yeah. It's not you. <laughs> well, even, even last week, like I could feel it mounting and like partly why we didn't do a podcast, right? It gets in the way of life a lot of the time, these big feelings. And so with being quite busy last week, I was taking my medication, but I wasn't taking my supplements. And that alone just had me spiral down. And so like, it's so hard sometimes to be disciplined enough to do the things that you know are in your best interest and to able to take care of yourself and then it becomes self-fulfilling or or cyclical in a way that especially with depression you just you just give up right you're just like for what reason mm. right well i can already feel the depression kicking in and i think i've mentioned this to you that i've struggled with depression for so long like probably looking back 12 13 14 years old like pretty young right um and started going to therapy in high school i think even started taking prescription meds at that point um but for me sometimes depression can feel comforting as messed up as that feels it feels like home it's familiar i can get really situated there and then it's very hard to pull yourself out yeah and so it's through all of this daily repetition of doing the right things and doing those motions and being disciplined enough to do all the steps that are needed for you to be in your best state of mind. It takes work, right? And speaking of work, you've done so much work, the hard work, the deep work, not just building routines and working out, like those things are all important, but going to therapy, Mm -hmm. exploring those deep, dark caverns in the most remote places of your psyche, Mm What have been some of the most beneficial tools and strategies that you've developed over the last, probably over the last even 10 years mm-hmm. that have helped you or that you come back to when when you feel the depression or the anxiety starting to creep in? Mm-hmm. So I think everyone should have a good therapist. I couldn't say enough good things about mine and how she's helped me so, so much. And I mean, there was a time where I was going to therapy twice a week because it was bleak there. And 
she helped me come up with strategies of like, okay, what to do when this starts happening? You can feel this creeping up. Like who can you call? Who's on your emergency call list? So I always do a touch point with either you or my family, right? And so seeking out to someone who I love and who loves me and is very trustworthy, right? And isn't going to judge me who can maybe just listen or provide a listening ear or give advice or show up, things like that. Um, I know sleep is really important. Sometimes a good nap is enough to turn the anxiety off, at least give my brain a bit of a break. Music, music is definitely therapy. Um, Exercise, like you said, moving my body, time with the dogs, um, helping people. A lot of the time when I'm feeling the most crappy, I want to help people more so or send out loving messages and show show up for other people and let them know that they're loved. And then in turn, that ends up making me feel better. And what's so difficult about that is that it's like oppositional response in a sense, right? When we feel the most isolated, mm-hmm. sometimes the last thing we want to do is engage with somebody else. Absolutely. Right? Especially if it's somebody outside of our most close-knit circle. And yet, as you just said, in your case in particular, that's what helps pull you out of that mm-hmm. that that darkness. And so you almost have to just do it anyways, Yeah. right? It's reach out anyways and and trust that it will in turn have that that positive mm-hmm. response yeah sometimes it's even just for me i'm like okay just get in the shower try to literally wash it off mm. right and and like take some care of yourself physically and again too when i'm deep in the sads it's really hard to motivate yourself to even do that but i know that that's always a step in the right direction Water is really good at, I don't know, helping you process things. I don't know. My energy lady told me something. So like drink water, bathe in water, or take a shower, things like that can usually help to restore you in some way. Right, right. So I always remembered that and I was like, okay, if it's really bad, just take a shower, jump in the hot tub, something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know for me, It might sound silly, but I've noticed for me, when I start to get into overwhelm, I tend to go to repetitive tasks um, that make me think in some way. So I love Sudoku puzzles. I'll start doing those almost like obsessively um, or doodling um, or coloring. Like I want to go to something that, again, gets me out of my head and, Mm -hmm. and thinking about all of these things because my mind is a very busy place at times and it's exhausting um so i kind of just want to try to give my brain a break from overthinking what helps you well i think my journey's been a little different gosh how long ago was it we were living in our old house and i was like working an insane amount of hours Mm -hmm. traveling a lot had a lot of stress and I remember like the first time I had like a panic attack 
it was the scariest thing that had ever happened to me. I felt like I totally lost touch with reality. I know it was it was scary for you, and I ended up in the hospital because mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. And I feel like I had like some like aftershocks almost mm-hmm. where I was so afraid of falling back down that you know interstellar you know alternate reality rabbit hole rabbit hole like where i literally thought the world was coming to an end i've been down this path before i know at the end of this i died like it was just it was a it was a dark like scary pattern where i was having these like kind of recurring panic attacks mm-hmm. ptsd so, yeah, I think you had a little bit of ptsd and so i mean for me i think it was trying to rebalance a lot of my lifestyle like finding more work-life balance so this set up a chain of events for me where I ended up changing jobs I tried to find more balance I tried to be more present as a partner um you know a lot of things and um like further on down the road when when mental health touched our family again I ended up changing kind of careers completely because it it forced me to reprioritize a lot of things in my life. Um, You know, I think subsequent to that, like I started seeing a therapist as well, Mm -hmm. which was super helpful. And it totally reframed my perception of therapy. I think, you know, because of some experiences kind of at arm's length with therapy as a as a kid and and growing up and having my parents separate and some other things you know I really thought a therapist was going to come along and maybe tell me that I was living my life the wrong way or that I was doing things all wrong and the idea of of talking to somebody like that really scared me Mm -hmm. because I don't know I I thought it was going to be judgment or they were going to say you know you're you're in the wrong career, you're in the wrong relationship, or you're in the wrong place in your life or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in actuality, I came to realize that this person's like a a problem solver with you, mm-hmm. right? You're able to look at problems objectively, develop tools and strategies. And, you know, I have been able to lean on her for a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? Like, just even in work, right? Like how do I have certain conversations or how do I be a good partner to you? Like knowing that you've had your own experiences with anxiety and depression, you know, how can I build some tools to be a great partner for you and also to support me in supporting you, if that makes any sense. So it really completely changed my perspective on on therapy altogether. It's like a it's like a superpower, right? Mm-hmm. That that you can tap into. Um and so yeah, just I'm I'm really grateful for that. But I guess sorry, we got off track here. You asked me what do I do mm-hmm. for me. So, you know, I feel like now if I start to feel, you know, the um early onset signs of like a panic attack, right? Um number one, I'm I'm often able to do like a quick root cause analysis on it as mm-hmm. nerdy as that sounds but like okay i had a bunch of caffeine today like that's probably what it is right um or you know this thing happened and and that's probably a a, a cause so you know you're able to like disassociate what's happening from like what 
caused it and and be like oh i'm not crazy like mm -hmm. there's a cost for this the other thing is like putting a name to it helps to take some power away from it mm -hmm. and also vocalizing it out loud to you yeah, and saying same. like liz i think i'm having a panic attack right now and you're able to say okay well you know like let's breathe let's go for a walk you know hold my hand or whatever it is mm -hmm. whereas before i felt like trapped in it alone I, that's it yes those are the great great words to put it because i i remember a couple of times when i was feeling that way like at the old house it would wake me up from a, the dead asleep mm -hmm. and i'd be in it but i didn't want to like wake you up because it made it real somehow mm -hmm. like sharing it with somebody else or you know i never thought you would judge me for it but it's just it was just this weird thing and so i would kind of lay there and suffer in silence until the point where like it got really bad and i would have to wake you up right mm -hmm. so i guess it's like early intervention or you know helps to prevent it kind of devolving mm -hmm. right and so i feel like if you listen to the one about reactivity using those things around frequency intensity yeah. you know the ability to recover it's not that those those panic attacks don't happen. They happen less frequently now, but when they do happen, I feel like they're far less intense. They don't last as long and I'm able to kind of rebound or recover from them because I can spot the early signs, even so far as like feeling like a, almost like a, a metallic taste in my mouth, mm. right? And it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's coming on, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't catch me as much by surprise. And then... You know, I'm able to kind of process it and deal with it together with your help. Mm -hmm. I know sharing with you helps immediately take a lot of the pressure off. Um, but I know how hard it is to open up and say that because you, uh, we all have so much shame around it. I think still, like it's so stigmatized. How to, me admitting I'm feeling this way right now makes me extremely vulnerable and is that weakness. Yeah, for folks who are who are still with us here, we talked about that extensively on the weekend. Like, do we make this episode or not? Because mm -hmm. making this episode and putting it out to an audience of a lot of people whom we don't know personally. It gives me anxiety. It, <laughs> it exposes a yeah. part of us. But the reason that we're doing it is because, you know, we think that there are a lot of people out there who might feel the same way. And we want you to feel less alone, to understand that, you know, as dog owners, as people, we're confronting these things too and and it's part of the journey it's part of the process you know what too i find so many people in the dog training world have similar struggles why is that do you think i think it's because we're empathetic souls that we want to help others largely because we recognize we need help ourselves we don't want other people to suffer um, or dogs to suffer but what we need to recognize is in order to help or take care of anything else, you need to be able to help and take care of yourself. Um, so you do need to prioritize your health and well-being so that you can show up as the best version of yourself for your dogs. And I think that's what was keeping me so low for so long is I place a lot of judgment on myself. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know, I feel like I read this somewhere, but a lot of the time depression is really mis misdirected um, anger towards yourself. Self-loathing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I beat myself up for beating myself up. Mm -hmm. Like that's not helping anybody. 
and you just stay low and it, it becomes an echo chamber of negativity. And so we have to be kinder to ourselves. We have to be kinder to other people. We have to forgive ourselves for not being perfect when that doesn't even exist. Mm -hmm. um, and in sharing this, actually help more people, bring more people together instead of pushing people apart through judgment. If you're listening to Honest to Dog, you're probably already one of these people or you, you have the potential to to be this kind of person. And, and that is to go on this journey of lifelong learning and self-discovery. And, and I'll, I'll tell you an example of, of this. It's, it's more recent. I think it was about a year ago, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who I really respect. And she was sharing with me that she had recently been diagnosed as having adult ADHD. And she described to me a lot of the rationale for why she felt that way or thought that way. And I was like, are you talking about me? Because like, I see a lot of similarities here. And so I started exploring it and researching. I'm very weary of like Google MD diagnostics or whatever. So I found an expert. He's the like foremost authority in adult ADHD diagnosis in Canada and I think it was like the week after we got back from California and I was I was like looking forward to this like low-key scared the whole time because anytime you learn something about yourself like it can be scary but also like excited to pop the hood and understand like what makes Jeff tick yeah. so I had this this like four hour interview with this with this uh, doctor this diagnostician and had to fill out all these surveys and then Liz had to fill out a bunch of surveys, you know, evaluating the same stuff. And then I sat down with him and, and, and Liz joined me. She was there. She was holding my hand the whole time. And, and this, um, psychologist was like, okay, Jeff, well, uh, two things you got adult ADHD, um, primarily inattentive presenting and generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and they often go hand in hand with each other. And as he proceeded to talk about what, ADHD inattentive presenting meant and how it shows up in people and how that sort of goes hand in hand with with GAD. I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. Okay. This is me. And and having that understanding, it was actually liberating. Like I felt like I had a weight lifted off my back because I was like, oh, okay, well, there's a reason why I am the way I am. And now mm -hmm. I can I can start to learn more about ADHD. I can explore medication. I can look at Lifestyle habits. Lifestyle habits and like strategies and understanding the difference between like hyper-focus for ADHD folks. And like, it's just, it was this like epiphany moment for me. And so the reason I share this is just to encourage folks to go on this journey of self-discovery. Mm -hmm. Even if you're, you know, 38 years old, like, like I am, you can still learn more about yourself. And it's not about trying to change yourself, but trying to kind of crack the code on Understand understanding yourself. yourself. Mm -hmm. And help setting yourself up for success instead of constantly questioning, why are you like this? Why can't you do it differently? Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Well, this wasn't as scary as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it wouldn't be. Um, but I hope this is helpful and beneficial to our listeners and just know that I care about your mental health. I also care about your dog's mental health. And so make sure you're taking care of you so that you can take care of your dog.
I think that's a great way to put it. I got nothing else more that I can add. Okay. I love you. I love you. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for supporting me. Thanks for always showing up and being there for me. Honestly, I think having a very strong support system and that being you, that's <laughs> my immediate contact, um, is extremely helpful. And I hope other people have a relationship like ours that they can turn to when they feel that they need it. And whether that's a partner or a close friend or a family member or a boss or a colleague. Mm -hmm. I think if we could leave you with anything, I think find someone who is trustworthy in your circle that you feel safe enough to share some of your mental battles with um, because you don't have to do this alone. So whether that's a therapist or a friend or family member, like you said, but Try not to shoulder this all on your own. I it's think a lot. I think we've moved past that in this day and age with mental health. I think it's becoming at least far less stigmatized. Um, but the more we talk about it, the the less scary it becomes. And know that the Honest to Dog family is a safe space. We will never judge you. Mm -mm. This is a supportive environment, a supportive community. Anyone who's come out to one of our pack walks or our listener meetups or anything like that, I think can attest to that. Mm -hmm. We got your back, we're here for you. Mm -hmm. And thanks for always coming back and listening to us when we do have new episodes um, and your understanding for sometimes when we slide off track. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, stay calm and assertive. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musil.